1: I want to talk about the Amish today. I think a lot of us think of the Amish based on what they drive, like a horse and carriage versus a car or what they wear. They wear like a pilgrim outfit or a a Puritan type outfit. But there was the most crazy study that was done on the Amish or study of the Amish that was done uh, related to health outcomes. It's it's. It's actually not. So Steve Kirsch conducted this study. I don't know if you've heard of Steve Kirsch or not. You probably have. He's a tech millionaire. He's worth like $250 million. And he made a name for himself after he became a tech millionaire. He made a name for himself by um, getting into the medical experiment field, meaning during the beginning of COVID, he put a ton of money towards trying to figure out if we had an existing pharmaceutical drug that could treat COVID-19 versus going through the whole development process. Well, he conducted a study on why the Amish did not die from COVID when the rest of Americans did. And this is what he found. He testified in front of the Pennsylvania State Senate. Take a listen.
2: Let's talk about the Amish. Yesterday I drove to Lancaster County. I drove to Amish country. I drove from house to house to house. I actually went to the house of a relative of Gideon King. He's the one person, the only known person in the Amish community who supposedly died from COVID that I'm aware of. Now they say there may be up to five people in Lancaster County who died from COVID, but I was unable to get the names of five people. I offer $2,500 reward on Twitter. Hey. Give me the names of more than five people in Lancaster County who died from COVID. Not a single person was able to name more than one person. They all named Gideon King. One guy. So I talked to the, I I actually went to the house of Sam King, who's a a relative of, of Gideon King, and I talked to Sam. He doesn't know if Gideon actually died from COVID or not. They die, He died in the hospital. They think it was COVID, but maybe he died from the COVID hospital protocols. Okay, so you look at the Amish. I did the calculation. Let's say there were five Amish people because people say, I, I think there were maybe a few or, or maybe there were five Amish people. But you know, and then I asked them, okay, can you name them? And nobody can name them. But let's say that we could name them. And there were five Amish people who died. That means the Amish died at a rate 90 times lower than the infection fatality rate of the United States of America. The Amish died at 90 times lower rate from COVID than America. Than the rest of America. Now, how is that possible? It's possible because the Amish aren't vaccinated. And because the Amish didn't follow a single guideline of the CDC. They did not lock down. They did not mask. They did not social distance. They did not vaccinate. And there were no mandates in the Amish community to get vaccinated. They basically ignored every single guideline that the CDC gave us. Ignoring those guidelines meant a death rate 90 times lower than the rest of America. So you talk about taking guidance from the WHO. Why don't we copy what works? In fact, wouldn't it be great to say in the next pandemic that Pennsylvania will take guidance from the Amish instead of the WHO? And you will be much, much better off.
1: Doesn't that just hit you in the gut? Like watching that. I've watched that multiple times now. And it's in a sense, it's infuriating because we have a case study for how to facilitate health. And we are experiencing the opposite of that in our country. It's not he's he's right, but he's also there's an additional element to this. So it's not just that the Amish didn't mask and didn't social distance and didn't take the mRNA jab. It's also because of the lifestyle of the Amish leading up to the quote unquote pandemic. Think about what the Amish do. They do not ingest chemicals. They do not ingest pharmaceuticals. They do not use technology. They actually grow their own food, which means they have a healthy diet. Listen, I've spent my life in this halfway point between conservative politics and leftist health viewpoints. And what I mean by that is up until the pandemic, Um, people who lived what I call a crunchy alternative lifestyle, like going to the chiropractor and taking probiotics and using natural supplements, those are mostly people that were like the crunchy hippy dippy people, especially those who also questioned vaccines. It was like the anti-vaxxers were all leftists, right? This was a leftist thing. Conservatives weren't on board with this. So I spent half my life in this very conservative world of politics, and I also spent my life in this kind of leftist alternative medicine um, um, environment, it never made sense to me why it was leftists who were in the alternative medicine community. It doesn't make sense to me at all, actually, because the bigger government is, the more they regulate that stuff, the bigger government is, the more that they mandate stuff. So actually having the individual choice to do things alternatively and to go against the CDC or to pick another option, not just like traditional Western medicine. It never made sense to me why leftists were the ones (laughs) in that camp and why conservatives who traditionally have challenged institutional uh, quote unquote experts, technocracy, it never made sense to me why conservatives didn't get on board with that. But we've seen a huge shift, right? Finally, during COVID, a lot of conservatives who kind of just went along with it were like, oh, whoa, wait a second. Maybe maybe, maybe big pharma, maybe the CDC isn't correct here. Maybe our pediatricians don't know what's best. And so um, there's been a huge shift. There's been an enormous shift, which I am delighted to see. Um, come and join me over here in crunchy land. <laughs> come and join me in, in the land of trying to avoid chemicals. My life is basically an exercise in trying to exist in the Western world and do my health the way that the Amish do their health. Because this video, this next video that I'm gonna show you is super crazy. Um, Steve Kirsch did an additional study. He didn't just talk anecdotally with families in in Lancaster County. Um, He didn't just calculate that Amish people were 90 times less likely to die from COVID-19. He also did a little investigation into chronic disease. We in America are suffering from a major epidemic of chronic disease. Autoimmune diseases are like we've never seen them before. Childhood diseases, childhood chronic diseases, are unreal. Almost more children have a chronic disease than children who don't. This is not normal. The medical community tries to make it normal. They try to say, don't put a stigma on it. This is just how children are made. That's not true. That's not true at all. And Steve Kirsch talks about exactly what is being done to children, but not to Amish children, that accounts for the difference, not just in COVID outcomes, not just in overall health, but in childhood diseases. The second video that I'm gonna show you is Steve Kirsch taking this just a step deeper. So it's not just that the Amish had a better outcome related to COVID. It's not just because the Amish avoided the CDC and the WHO recommendation on masking and social distancing and jabs and the like. It's also because of what the Amish, the lifestyle and the choices that the Amish have made uh, related to early childhood decisions. And the manifestation of this is quite telling. Take a listen.
2: There's a study that was done by the control group. They have over a 1,000 people who are unvaccinated. The health outcomes in those people is night and day comparison uh, with fully vaccinated people. Uh, We have like a 60% rate of people with a chronic disease in America. If you've not been vaccinated at all, the rate is close to zero. And of course... None of this is talked about. They tried to get the CDC to do a study of the vaccinated, fully vaccinated versus the fully unvaccinated. In 2005, CDC director Judy Gerberding promised to do such a study. She said, yes, we should do such a study. It's important that we do a study now. We can refine it later. And that was nearly 20 years ago. And that study has never been done. And it will never be done.
1: With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky.
0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: It will never be done. It will never be done. Of course it will never be done. It will never be done because the results of that study would fly in the face of everything that the CDC is trying to shove down our throats. Not just related to COVID, but what the CDC is trying to shove down our throats related to vaccines, related to diet, related to pharmaceuticals. This industry, I mean, you you guys know this. We all know this at this point. It's just a matter of what we're going to do about it. We know that big pharma is exploiting us. We know that big food, is essentially poisoning us and then big pharma is profiting off of pretending to prescribe us the antidote to the poison that big food that big food feeds us and all the while the government regulation agencies are just revolving doors in big food and big pharma they're they're approving things that shouldn't be approved they're not safe they haven't been studied they're not good for you they're not healthy they're dangerous they're gross and this is the result we have we have a control group we have the Amish here that show us exactly what health looks like if you eat healthy and you Avoid pharmaceuticals and you avoid medical procedures that haven't been studied against a control group, then your health outcome is completely different. Completely different. This is the reason that you and I don't trust the CDC. This is the reason that there's been a huge cultural shift, especially among conservatives, about um, the experts, why we don't defer to the experts. While the CDC, let's just let's, let me put it this way while the CDC is refusing to do a study of the Amish, who 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 live a very what I would call crunchy alternative lifestyle they don't vaccinate they eat healthy they don't use pharmaceuticals they don't ingest chemicals they don't use electricity while 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 the CDC is neglecting willfully neglecting to do this study they on their website right now the CDC is promoting instead chest feeding for transgenders now what is chest feeding for transgenders you might be asking well i i shudder to even describe it to you, but here's what it is. A biological male who identifies as female, thinks that he's a woman, thinks that the baby that was created for him via a surrogate um, is, is uh, that he is the mother to that child. He thinks he's the mother to that child. He wants to breastfeed it. Doesn't want to call it a breast because I don't know—is that misgendering boobs or something? I don't even know why he doesn't want to call it a chest. The CDC doesn't want to gender breastfeeding, so they call it chest feeding. The CDC is giving directions for these men who are cosplaying women, and as if that's not as if that's not bad enough, indulging delusion, leading someone onto the road of um, the quote-unquote gender-affirming model, which ruins their bodies for life. They're not even thinking about what this does to the baby. Imagine a baby suckling at the chest of a man who is pretending to be a woman. Is this safe for the child? Is this nourishing for the child? The answer to anyone with a shred of common sense is no, it's not safe, and no, it's not nourishing. This is bizarre, this is perverted, this is grotesque, this is unscientific and weird, and yet the CDC, this is what they say on their health equity considerations portion of their website. If you look under the infant and young child feeding toolkit, they say that transgender, this is a quote, and non-binary gendered individuals may give birth and breastfeed or feed at the chest, chest feed. Then if you go to their breastfeeding portion, um, it again mentions chest feeding. It says, can transgender parents who have had breast surgery breastfeed or chest feed their infants? The CDC then answers their own question by saying, yes, some transgender parents who have had breast, quote, top surgery may, or slash top surgery, may wish to breastfeed or chest feed, a term used by some transgender and non-binary parents, their infants. Healthcare providers working with these families should be familiar with medical, emotional, and social aspects of gender transitions to provide optimal family-centered care and meet the nutritional needs of the infants. They never talk about what's best for the baby here, just something for us to note. Family-centered care, but like, what is a family? A family is supposed to be a man and a woman who are raising children that that they created together, and it's supposed to be oriented towards what's best for that child, but not according to the CDC. In fact, the CDC says that transgender patients uh, or transgender parents may need help with their milk supply, producing milk. They may need to supplement with formula or donor human milk, or they may need medication Medication, look at that. It says at the bottom, medication to induce lactation. So this is the part that stuck out to me. Medication to induce lactation. So if you have a male here, a man, who is not biologically qualified to breastfeed and you give him pharmaceutical drugs to induce some kind of secretion out of of his man boobs, what's gonna happen? Well, not only is that not going to nourish the infant, it's also going to pass on that drug to the baby. It's going to pass on that pharmaceutical chemical concoction to the baby. In fact, the FDA has a warning on one of these drugs, one of these drugs that would be used given to a man if he wanted to try to secrete what he thinks is breast milk. This is what the FDA warns, that this drug, Domperidone, can quote, pass into breast milk in small amounts and can sometimes give babies an irregular heartbeat as a result. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? This is why we don't listen to the CDC, because while the CDC won't do a study about why the Amish are healthy and why Americans are unhealthy, they simultaneously tell men that they can breastfeed if they drug themselves, ignoring the serious physical repercussions that that has on babies who are forced to consume that secretion, that fake hormone-laced secretion. It's disgusting, it's absolutely disgusting. And meanwhile, what's happening at the Ivy League? Wait till you hear what an Ivy League doctor wants she wants body cams on doctors aimed at you. So meanwhile, an Ivy League doctor by the name of Dr. Amanda Calhoun, she's 28 years old. Maybe this shouldn't surprise us. Is that Gen Z? A 28-year-old? Or is that like the oldest millennials? I think that's like right on the borderline. She's probably like one year into she's like like the the one year into being a millennial, meaning like she's she's right at the bottom there. But they've caught those 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 young millennials have caught a little bit of the Gen Z wokeness, I think. Well, Dr. Amanda Calhoun, we can show her on the screen. She serves as the co-vice chair of the Diversity Council of the Yale Resident Fellow Senate. That's a mouthful of a title, but the purpose of this is she's an influential doctor at Yale. She wants doctors to wear body cams. Like imagine that for a second. Imagine if you go into the ER with anything. It doesn't matter if it's a heart attack, or if it's a UTI, whatever it might be. And your doctor walks in and your doctor's got like a, a cam on their, on their head or like a cop, a body cam like right on their chest. Can you even imagine how violating that would be? Like it's unfathomable to me that that would even be proposed. Like what an absolute moron this woman is. No patient would ever consent to this. Um but the reason that she wants this, aside from just the insanity of the proposition to begin with, the reason that she wants doctors to wear body cams is because she wants these body cams to help detect racism. Yes. So it's basically critical race theory. It's not racism. What she wants is she wants white doctors to have body cams so that I don't know who, assumedly some panel of quote unquote experts, woke experts can creep on patient interactions, doctor patient interactions to uh, swoop in if they see any doctor that's not being woke enough, any doctor that's not you know, maybe propagating health equity. Remember what health equity is? It's actually racism where you, where you treat people, not based on the science of the thing, but you treat people based on the color of their skin. Like you deprive white people of treatment uh, because they have white skin and give it to black people because they have black skin. That's like woke medicine, which they call health equity. This Ivy League doctor wants doctors to wear body cams so that she doesn't say who would detect this racism. But that's the thing, like uh, again, Put yourself in a doctor's office like you tell your doctor about your vulnerabilities right like medical problems are sometimes embarrassing they're certainly private it's bad enough to have to talk to a doctor about them and then you're recorded on a camera that could what like could it be hacked could it be released like is big tech and big government gonna gonna abuse this or is it just going to be watched by some panel of wokesters who's going to try to get your doctor this is, this is so bananas to me. It's one of those stories that I almost struggled to believe at first. I was like, well, is this like the Babylon Bee? Has this been taken out of context? Is this really accurate? And I read it and I looked into it and it is in fact true. It's, it's, it's real. It's very, very real. And this is why we don't trust the medical community because it's not just the CDC. It's not just big pharma. It's not just big food. It's also the medical schools that are training doctors. The, the, Dr. Amanda Calhoun is an example of, of a powerful, influential doctor at an Ivy League medical school who wants your privacy completely violated. Like, imagine being what's the most targeted demographic in our country right now? It's a, uh, by woke, by wokeness. It's, it's white males, white middle aged males. So imagine you have like a 40 year old white male Christian doctor who's interacting with patients. He's an, he's, he's an incredible doctor. Let's just say he's an incredible doctor. And what's going to happen to him? So imagine the most targeted racial demographic in our country, and when I say most targeted, I mean targeted by wokeness. It is a middle-aged white male Christian. So you have this middle-aged white male Christian doctor, and say he's a really good doctor, say he saved a lot of people's lives, say he has a really nice bedside manner, Um, but he, he practices via a Christian worldview. He rejects Marxism, he rejects leftism. Maybe he's a good, solid conservative. Maybe he's one of the good ones. Imagine what he's going to face if he wears a body cam. Like even even take patient privacy and the insanity of that idea out for a second. This man's going to be targeted the way that Kavanaugh was targeted. It's going to be like Me Too on steroids plus critical race theory. It's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be it's going to be thought crime after thought crime after thought crime. If you aren't an active propagator of critical race theory and queer theory, outright racism and marxism in the medical field rejecting science in favor of a poisonous satanic ideology then you're going to be ruined your reputation's going to be damaged they're going to try to they're going to try to they're going to try to make an example out of you it's the most horrendous idea in the world and it's why we all this is this is like the next thing that i see for conservatives right we've we've had our eyes opened about the education system we've had our eyes opened about um, about the administrative state. We haven't quite figured out what to do about the administrative state, but we all agree that it's a problem. We've had our eyes opened about so many of these of these different things. I mean, obviously entertainment, that our eyes have been open for a while, but especially education and the administrative state. We've really realized the problem that we're facing, in the, the, the threat that we're facing from those two areas. This is the next place. This, this is the next thing that I see for conservatives. We have to fight back against this cartel. We have to fight back against big food and big pharma and the regulatory bodies in the United States government that are rejecting science in favor of harming Americans' health. Like this is, this is our health we're talking about. We all have a loved one who suffers from one of these chronic conditions, whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, whether it's heart disease, whether it's an obesity-related illness, whether it's autoimmune issues, Whether it's autism, we all know and love people who are suffering, and here's the thing. Much of it is needless suffering. We have evidence, scientific evidence, that many of these things are not just things that happen. They're not arbitrary. They're things that are happening because of this big food, big pharma government cartel that's ignoring science in favor of profiting, and they're hurting us while they're doing it. Okay. The affirmative action ruling from the United States Supreme Court. I mean, one of the best rulings that we've heard in a long time. I was still, I was on vacation when this ruling happened. So you heard a great breakdown of it by Josh Hammer. I really liked that episode of Josh's, by the way, if you guys haven't, haven't watched it, I highly recommend that you do. But here's a really interesting poll that came out uh, following the affirmative action. So a little context here, the left is telling us that this is like a return to white supremacy or something, something equally stupid and nonsensical. They're telling us that without affirmative action, (laughs) there was a White House spokesperson that actually said without affirmative action, black students aren't going to succeed, which is like the most insulting, the most just abjectly racist thing you could say. Oh really, black students aren't smart enough and capable enough to actually do things themselves. They need the government to come in and do things for them to make them able to compete with white people. Like of all the absolutely insulting racist views, That's the view of the left. That is what the left says, but it's not actually a view of the left. It's a view just of the leftist ruling class, the leftist elites, the leftist politicians. Democrat voters are opposed to affirmative action. So this was the poll. Uh, The question was, do you approve or disapprove of the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action? And white people, 65% approve, 23% disapprove. Hispanics, 45% 45% approve, 30% disapprove. Black people 43% approve and 36% disapprove. So the major racial demographics in our country, these are these are white people, Hispanic people and black people make up the majority of people in our nation. They all approve of it. It's just the white liberals in the in the swamp in Washington DC who don't who who disagree with this, who want to propagate what's act, racial discrimination. In our institutions, in our country, um, also funny. This is from a reporter at the Free Beacon. Uh, his name is Aaron Sabariam. He was reporting on affirmative action, and he shared this. I, I suppose it's anecdotal, but still, this anecdotal tweet. I want to bring this up on the screen about the Reaper or the the downstream effect of the Supreme Court overturning affirmative action. This is what he tweeted: A lawyer in big law told me today that the firm's corporate clients are all reaching out in the wake of students for fair admissions, that's the affirmative action case, to ask if their diversity policies are legal. In most cases, even liberal attorneys are telling them no. So this I find really interesting. This is what I was hoping would happen when the Supreme Court overturned affirmative action. When they overturned affirmative action, it applied kind of narrowly to the admissions process for institutions of higher learning, or quote-unquote institutions of higher learning. It's hard to call colleges and universities that in this day and age. But that's what this this case was related to, obviously. It was related to the Harvard admission process that discriminated against Asian students, that you had to get an SAT or ACT score so much higher if you were Asian than if you were white, and so much higher if you were white than if you were Hispanic, and higher, or Hispanic and black. It, It was just racial discrimination against Asians and white people. But the hope has always been, and this is what I've hoped, the hope has been that this would cause quote unquote diversity policies at corporations in addition to schools to be rendered illegal. That you can't hire someone or you can't discriminate against someone on the basis of their race. You can't refuse to hire a white man because he has white skin because that's racist. And that this Supreme Court opinion would have a downstream effect of rendering DEI to be completely illegal. This is, I think, a very hopeful sign that, that corporate clients and corporate clients, those are all the big corporations in our country that propagate DEI in pursuit of their ESG score, that they are fearing the same thing, and that even liberal lawyers, leftist lawyers who like this stuff, they want to support it, that they're advising their corporate clients that, uh, yeah, no, DEI is not going to be legal given this precedent set by the Supreme Court. I find that to be incredibly, incredibly important and even more than important, incredibly delightful to see that the majority of the American people, when asked about affirmative action, reject it. Absolutely reject it. It's so difficult sometimes not to feel discouraged, like, oh my gosh, wokeness has taken over everyone and everything. There's nobody that has common sense views. But here, my friends, is an example of the majority of people who still reject. Racism. It's only our politicians that embrace it. All right, it's time for one more cool thing. It is a video brought to you by my producing team called If Straight People Talked Like LGBTQ. All right guys, let's have it.
0: If you are straight, first of all, I wanna tell you that I love you. I see you, I hear you, and I just wanna spread some straight joy (laughs) because being straight is special, it's divine. It's divine, yet even though people are out to get us and attack us and that straight people are the ones that experience the most violence in this country, I just want you to know that you will make it through this because you're divine. And I also really want to know, what's your favorite part about being straight? Like, tell me all (laughs) the things that you love about being a straight person. Because I know that for me, it's given me all fulfillment and joy and satisfaction to be straight. So just know that I see you. I love you. We're not going to be erased. I love you, my straight friends.
1: That is hilarious. The, the funny part is that in today's era, our cultural moment that we're in, it's almost impossible to discern satire from reality because she's making this joke. she's making this video as a joke, but it's actually all true. It's a hundred percent true. That is so funny. That is so funny. All right guys, thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler show.